What is up, Cyclone Nation? It is time for the Souk Up Summer Series, episode number two. My name is Chris Williams, joined as always by Brent Bloom. We are, of course, presented today by Souk Up Manufacturing. On the last summer series, we told you about their pre-engineered steel buildings that are designed to be the most customizable and best fitting steel buildings on the market. They're also known in the agriculture market. The steel building line has expanded its footprint into a number of commercial applications too. You can see them all over the place, like an airplane hangar at the Ames Airport, which has been totally redesigned. It's really cool yeah, out very there. very nice airport. They've got that winged roof. It's, it's pretty sweet. Uh, there's a furniture store, a motorcycle dealership, a fitness center, a wedding chapel. One of their favorites is the Giraffe House at the Blank Park Zoo. You can go to sukup.com and check out all of the products there. That's sukup.com. Bloom, not just building uh, agricultural buildings anymore. Sukup.com, they're all over the place. It's a great Iowa company. Great Iowa company. We appreciate their sponsorship of the summer series. We're not even going to reference anything COVID or anything like that because we would like to, uh, one, we don't want to date this, and two, we just want to talk about something different here today. And today's topic, Bloom, was this a trans, the, we're, we're doing, our, we're ranking Iowa State basketball transfers today. Um, was this one of our premium message board members that threw this one out there? I think so, but also it is amazingly timely. Yes, because the decade is the decade of transfers is now complete, and I think the we'll, we'll get into some of the details here. But the interesting thing is when the decade started, transfers had a stigma, and yes. now it's amazing. In ten years, now it's just roster construction. You don't even mention transfers really anymore. It's just part of the deal. Like transfers are just it's just like recruiting. Back when this started in twenty ten. Do it, it the was, right way. It was a yeah. big taboo topic, and it's amazing going through this list how difficult it was, how many transfers there were that had major impacts on the Iowa State program. Uh, so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to rank our top 10. Bloom has done a lot of statistical research. I've got a lot of stories about some of these guys that we are going to get to. So Bloom, um, I'm going to let you go 15 through 11. I know that you yeah, had a hard time very even leaving some guys out. Where we, we'll, we'll, start from, we'll start from the bottom and get to the top, which is number one. So just from a broad perspective, in the last, so since 2009, okay, we're going we're gonna to include one guy in there because he played as part of the transfer era, but since 2009, there were 28 transfers wow. to Iowa State. Are you talking about Jake Anderson? Uh, him and yes, him and then I'm Scott Christopherson. We'll, we'll make a note for Scotty C. He's probably not technically part of the decade, but okay. I, in this in this exercise, we're including him. So 28, 29 guys, and just this is this is my 15 through 11. This would be a good. Um, you remember when before we had kids, we would sit at the clubhouse after a round. Up? And we would we would do the like name the starting lineup in McDermott's third year yeah, or oh, games like that. This would be a fun one if you had the list and you have a buddy. And you give them X amount of time, you, you know, take their out. cell phone away and see yep. if they can name the transfers. It's a fun game. Maybe I don't even know if I could do this. Stop listening to this then if you want to play yeah. that game because <laughs> we're going to give away half of them. Yeah, you okay, already heard the sponsorship read, so you're good. This is amazing to me. So my 15th ranked guy, Jake Anderson, the aforementioned Jake Anderson, Northern Illinois transferred, played the one year for Fred, had a had a really, really solid yeah, season for, a, really good. Um, for Iowa State. Number 14, Bryce DeJohn Jones. 
Um, statistically, a really good year. The It did not end well necessarily, though he had a, a, a spark in the Big 12 tournament, and obviously the talent was there. He was on his way to having a decent he, NBA he had, career. He had signed an NBA contract. Um, obviously, RIP BDJ. At 13, Corey Lucius, starting point guard on an NCAA tournament team for Iowa State, average double figures, little tur- little bit turnover prone, but Iowa State does not have that year they did where they got to the second round of the NCAA tournament without the Michigan State transfer. Uh, number 12, and this one, I I thought about including him in my top 10. This is how good this list is. Number 12, Dustin Hogue. Mm. I included... I included you included Jukos. I included Jukos. Okay. Which may, may impact... This okay. a little bit. See, I didn't. Okay, uh, so like, that's fine. So like Hogue and McGee, guys like that are not on my list. I I, I included all the transfers. Okay. Um. So yes, this is a bit of a technicality, but I had to get Dustin Hogue in here. Okay. Actually, averaged double figures in his career and was a big cog. Everybody remembers that lost to Connecticut when he scored 35, 36, but was a really good player, very efficient player. Had a tough time leaving him out. Also, a tough time leaving out. From my top 10, Nick Weiler-Bat. He's in mine. Who was a I transfer, uh, which we can get into the details with Nick for you, but I uh, just missed my top yeah. 10. Which And that guy, by the way, just signed a big old contract in Europe uh, this week. Oh, really? For a high-level European team. I got to find the exact team, but we should he's making a lot of money overseas right now. Get Stansbury on that. We should have a story yeah. about that. I think people would but be interested where he ended that's, up. That's my 11 through 15, and those are all yeah. big-time names. All right. Um Man, I'm I'm worried here too. I actually was having internet troubles at the time of prepping. That man, did I just potentially forgot somebody here? But let's just start at number ten. I'll let you go first. Okay. Well, I'll I'll, I'll go. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I had um, I had Jamil McKay at ten. Uh, as did I. Oh wow! So let me Crazy. get it, let me get in the details okay. for Jamil. And okay. Kind of get into the uh, your point of view here. So Jamil McKay. Junior year, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Third team, all Big 12 in a shortened season. In two years, 11 points, eight rebounds, two assists. Only Cyclone in that time, in the last decade, to have a line of 11, 8, and 2. The only other one, Cam Lard, as a freshman. Oh, wow. Jamil did it twice. People think, this is what's interesting for Jamil when I was looking up his numbers. They think junior year, great. That was the Fred year, came on and became a starter on that team. And they think the senior year, a disappointment. Statistically, senior year numbers actually better than junior year, which was interesting. Now, he had the brief issues with Chrome where he had to miss a game or two. But Jamil, super efficient. If you look at his efficiency rankings for Iowa State in the last decade, one of the most efficient players to play at Iowa State. And a big spark for that, especially his junior year, I thought was more impactful Numbers may say otherwise, but uh, Jamil McKay, 11, 8, and 2, uh, was a big get when they got him. Yeah, I um, just for him, I, I think that we we probably remember the not-so-great times yes. as well. That kind of stands out to me. He had a hard time in that transition. I feel like McKay is a guy loaded with talent where I'm, I kind of like leave myself wanting more with him. I feel like he... You know how uh, Deontay Burton at the end, you're like, okay, things clicked for him. Yep. Like the, the the light came on. This is a different dude. I never felt like Jameel was ever really there uh, at Iowa State. So, again, it, he it kind of left me wanting more. Um, I don't necessarily know if it would have changed to if, if Fred would have stayed. I think Jameel uh, – I, I just don't know how much he loved basketball, I guess would be my point. Like putting in that work and that type of thing um, – 
I think he may have had better numbers, probably, under Fred. Fred would have given him a lot more freedom, probably. Year. Yeah. yeah, with all that stuff. But I think that um, for what that team wanted to do and you know where Steve was at, I think it was tough. I think that transition was difficult. But, I mean, just the pure talent. I mean, you just look at the guy and, and you know he's a – you know, he's a basketball player. So he was at number 10. I almost had him at number nine. Uh, Jamil still playing professionally, by the way. Had a long Aus- he was in yeah. Australia for a bit. Now I believe he's in Slovakia. So oh, okay. still making money. Uh, I had Corey Lucius at number nine. Okay. I just, that was, is, is that the most underrated Hoiberg team? Like, cause it yeah. kind of gets forgotten about. It does. Like people don't really talk about Will Clyburn and Corey Lucius in that team very often. And I just, I remember, you maybe have it, Brent, the efficiency numbers from that team. Offensive efficiency, it was off the charts. Yep. And I really give the the point guard a ton of credit for that. Corey Lucius had a um, you know, just a, a knack of where that basketball needed to be, especially playing at that tempo. Great point. What that team did. So I, I think that he probably, Brent, is a guy who's undervalued because of the amount of time that he spent at Iowa State. I loved that team. I think that team potentially, you know, if it's not for a bad call and a tough break in Dayton, that could have been a Final Four team. I really, I truly believe that. They were playing so well, and then Corey was streaky, but man, when yeah. he was on, he was a really good three-point shooter, too. Again, it drove people nuts because he turned the ball over, I think, more than a lot of point guards. And it was weird going from basically Royce was your point forward to Corey Lucius, but... guy put up some numbers, and that you're right. That team was top five in Ken Palm in offensive efficiency, and you wouldn't necessarily guess it from that roster, but by the time uh, March was rolling around, they were really clicking. And 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 I think I labeled it at the time it was like a group of uh, misfits playing together. Mm-hmm. But but they were so fun, and the way that game ended was just a, the season ended was just a heartbreaker. But uh, the blitz they put on Notre Dame in the opening round of the oh NCAA tournament so after fun. after their big guy, Con was it Conley? Yeah. Compared Iowa State to DePaul. Yes. And then... Uh, I ever told you about that quote, about how you, that came? You were... It was from you, it right? Was, yeah, it was me and Dave Zawolinski. Um, we were the we were the two reporters. I, yeah. I asked the question. I just said, who do you... Who would you compare Iowa State to in the Big East, like stylistically and stuff? And then, you know, Zawolinski happened to have his camera rolling <laughs> at the time and... That was one of those deals. I always warn. Um, I always warn people not to just take poll quotes from Twitter too seriously. Um, but he said it, and I, I, I didn't try and set him up. Yeah, it's like you're baiting him. Yeah, I didn't do that. I, I meant like you know stylistically, like who does this team remind you of? And he happened to pick the one poll. of the worst teams in <laughs> high major basketball. And it got back to. Fred, did it not? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They put that quote all over the locker room yep. and stuff the day before. And, um, yeah, well, that was a really fun NCAA tournament. I didn't like the way that it ended, but even yep. Dayton's one of the worst towns I've ever been in. But, man, that, that gym was awesome. If any of these Cyclone fans listening got to go to to those games, it was a really cool venue. Got a couple more from that team on my top ten. So Who's yeah. your number nine? Uh, my number nine is Scott Christofferson. Okay. So, again, bit of a stretch. Committed under McDermott. See, I didn't include him. I know. So, I, and yeah. I, some technicalities That's here. okay. But he played in the decade of transfers. Yeah. So I, if, I included him. And if he's included, he's definitely a top ten. 10 guy. No so doubt. I, have been, I would probably drop McKay. I had him at nine, uh, 11 and a half points in his career at Iowa State, 44% from three. He played three years, Chris, but he's fourth all time still in Iowa State history and made threes behind 
these names, Jake, Naz, and Matt. So pretty yeah. good company for Scott. Um, and for you forget a couple great moments for him. Had the buzzer beater against Oklahoma State in 12. I do remember that. Important, yeah. kind of forgot about One game. of the great shots awesome in shot, Cyclone history. Iowa State had lost two games in a row. It was January of that first year. And if they lose that game to a very underwhelming Oklahoma State team, you fall, you know, to two and three, I think it would be at that point in the Big 12, and you get on the wrong side of the bubble, you know, who knows if that team even is able to make the NCAA tournament. So no really doubt. a low-key important game for that one. And oh, by the way, great Cyhawk game. In 2010 versus Iowa, he had 30 points. This was Fred's first team. 24 in the second half and seven threes. So that was, in, that was in Iowa City. Yeah, um, Scotty Christofferson, too, is one of the guys who... Uh, when you look at the transition between the McDermott and the Hoiberg eras, it sets it up for success. Yes. I, I, I often throw Melvin Edgem in there. I think Melvin Edgem, uh, if you if you were to ask me, Chris, who's the most important player of the Fred Hoiberg era, I would say Melvin Edgem. And I have a lot of reasons why. But I think Christofferson would be a guy right there with Deontay Garrett, too, even though Deontay only got one year under Fred Hoiberg, just to be able to set that tone. When those transfers first came in, yeah. there was a culture already in place. And this is where McDermott probably doesn't get enough credit. But his teams didn't win, but they had a pretty good culture there as far as like getting in the gym and yeah. doing that thing. And it really stemmed from a guy like Scott Christofferson. Yeah, it's well said. Yeah, so Scott played, again, three years, uh, didn't make the tournament his senior year with uh, Hoiberg, Royce, and crew. Number eight is a guy you've already mentioned. I, I put Nick Weiler-Babb at number I, eight. I thought about putting him in my top ten. I think yeah. more for longevity and leadership. than, But his stats are, numbers-wise, like, Brent, he's maybe the most underrated transfer as far as what he put up over time. Yeah. Uh, clearly, he played longer. Um, but he just, uh, he was a guy there for a while, Britt, where he was just like a walking triple-double. Yeah. Uh, it seemed like. He was always in that triple-double category. Um, Nick was a guy, he always reminded me of a young Harrison Barnes in the sense that I always thought that if he could be a little bit more assertive and be a little bit more alpha, man, this is a guy who could kind of start to take over a game skill-wise. Um, but he just, that wasn't his personality. Um Having said that, uh, what a what a great career. I put Nick Weiler Bab right there. Yeah, all, all honorable mention, all Big Twelve did average nine, five, and four, and a couple of steals as well. Like he's a guy, Chris. I'm, I'm going to say it in in July here of 2020. I think he will eventually find his way to an NBA roster at some point in his career because he's a big old guard mm -hmm. that can do a little bit of everything, uh, a lot like his brother did. I think Nick will find his way onto a roster. Where someday. did you put his brother? I have him a little bit north of Nick. Okay. In the top five for me. Because okay. you know what I just realized that I knew I was going to, I forgot Chris Babb. Which, I left him uh, off yeah, the list. Which is, again, that's the tough part. I, I, I left him off. I feel terrible. I, but, <laughs> but numbers wise, he, he probably doesn't compare not, pure numbers wise, but it's the, the impact, which we'll, we'll get into here in a little bit. Yeah, How about, he, he's not numbers wise anywhere near my top five. No. No, I would I would say that. How about number eight? I'll go with mine for my number eight. I'm guessing you have him higher. This is how good this list is. I have Abdul Nader at number eight for me. I have him a smidge higher. Uh, yeah. Abdul, nine and a half points, four rebounds a game. But he's a guy, when he got his junior year, which was uh, under Fred, last year Fred, really struggled to find a role. You know, they had him 
coming off the bench with Bryce as that super sub at one point. But his senior year, he really got it going in February and March. Averaged 15 and 5 in Big 12 play. Uh, February and March of his senior year. And then the talent was always there. And there's a reason why that guy's making big checks in the NBA right now. Uh, it's a good poll. I, and I have him at number seven. So he, he's he's right there for me. I remember um, a story that Naz Mitra Long told me uh, when Naz was going through his injury. And, and I know how detrimental or yeah, how horrible that was for Naz at the time. And Naz has told me this story. I, th- I think I wrote a column about it before that season. But one of the guys who just surprised you would think like, Oh, Niang, Matt, like, or any of those guys, um, Monte, it was Abdul Nader who took it upon himself to daily go over and check on Naz. And like, he really became a great teammate yeah. in that off season. Yep. And, um, I really fun to watch. I, I think he, you know, the NBA better than me, but that's a 10 year veteran, right? I, he's trending that way. Yeah. Again, a lot Seems like, Nick, like just a big guard physical can do a little bit of everything. And they, they really enjoy him down in Oklahoma city, but a great example, Chris, of why, in my opinion, college basketball is important for a guy like that. Mm-hmm. You know, if he super talented guy spends five years in college as a, as a junior at Iowa state, nowhere and even near an NBA thought. But because he worked hard, then the light turned on when he's 22. Mm-hmm. Um, because he stayed, now I think that's what allowed him to have this successful. And he's he's a pro's pro now. It, we could uh, throw Taylor Horton Tucker into that mix as a guy like like him. Where man, it, we were we were talking in our Slack channel the other night about some really bad numbers that he's putting up for the Lakers in this second preseason. It's just like, yeah, God, that's a guy who could have used another year. Or two. I think he's, yes. I mean, the talent is there for Taylor and always will be, but again, a lot like Abdul or talent wasn't the question is how do you refine it into this, you know, efficient player. And yeah. I do wonder if Taylor spent another year, how much it would be different, but uh, I still hope he has success out there. All right. Uh, where are we at for you? Number seven. So I'm at number seven. And again, this is, a, I cheated. This is where I have Tyrus McGee, who may be my favorite player of the transfer era, just pure entertainment value. Here are the numbers for Tyrus. Ten and a half points over two years, but his senior year, coming off the bench, mind you, 13 points a game, 46% from three-point territory, which led the entire country. That year, he had 96 threes off the bench, which is the best in Iowa State history behind these names. Willoughby... Nurse mm. Nass. And he did it, Chris, 24 minutes per game. He led the entire conference in offensive rating, which is an efficiency rating. Best How many columns on. got written should McGee be starting uh, right. during and, that year? Uh, unbelievable. In, in the nine-game stretch in Big 12 play, at one point, he went 30 of 53 from three. I mean, he was a guy, and it's overused, but every time he shot the ball, it didn't matter from what place you thought it was going in. Hoiberg had the best quote about Tyrus. It was something to the effect of, um, you know, if it's a bad shot, only Tyrus can make it. Or, yeah. or something, you know, there's bad shots and there's the one Tyrus makes. It, the guy could literally pop from anywhere and you thought it was going in. Just an incredible player to watch. Another guy that uh, comes to my mind, because this based off your description of Tyrus, remember uh, Blueford? The, the <laughs> that, Duke, and we all thought like he would be like the, the next, next Tyrus. Tyrus. Yeah. Because Fred had the same quotes, like, well, I, Fred's quote when he like committed, he's like, well, you know, I went over there and watched him, and he um, he went uh, three for twenty four from three point range, and it wasn't that impressive. But anybody who can 
put up 24 three-point yeah, shots. I want him on my team. <laughs> just uh, and Tyrus, but Tyrus actually made them. <laughs> he he was, I mean, just a blast. And so he played on the first NCAA tournament team with Royce. Was more of a role player that year. And then that senior year, that was the Lucius, yeah, Tyrus, uh, God, that, Clyburn. Don't you think that was the most like forgotten about like underrated Fred team? Oh, the gold. Right? They were just a blast to watch. They and were they, awesome. They were. Because Niang they were was ahead of the curve. Niang, Niang was, was a only freshman. Yeah. We didn't have Royce, so there wasn't like that flashy guy. They were all just kind of they all just meshed together they, really well. They, they were great, a great offensive team, and Tyrus was a big reason why. I still he had maybe one of my most uh, one of the best performances I've seen in Hilton. That was against Kansas. That was the the Niang charge game that didn't get called. Yeah, uh, but Tyrus was six of ten from three that game. He was making everything on that big Monday. Uh, just an incredible, incredible shooter. Uh, okay, we're at number six. Yeah. Now, and, and this is a guy who um, Brent is being hurt because he only played one year. Um, if you were to say, like, okay, let's do a draft of all these guys and you get them for one season, I would put Will Clyburn higher on, on the list. But I, I think he's being penalized by me uh, because he wasn't there longer. Another guy I think that is a lot like the Nick Weiler Bab camp where he, if he would have asserted himself to be the man, I think Will Clyburn could have, you know, been even better. Yep. Uh, but he was fantastic in that one year. He's played overseas. He's a pro. Uh, Will Clyburn at number six. I also have number six for okay. Will. There you go. Um, numbers 15 points, 6.8 rebounds, all Big 12 second team. Big 12 newcomer of the year. Led the team in scoring. That was that same team we just talked about. Yeah. Um, second on the team in rebounding. So Will wasn't the most efficient guy, but when they needed a shot, a lot of times it was him. Do you remember that Big 12 tournament opening game um, that year? And he just went off. I think it was against Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. Yep. And and that was kind of like, yes, he's, he's figured it out. He could have had a defining moment of Cyclone basketball history too. And it got wiped away. He was the one that, Ran over Aaron Kraft. Ran over, quote-unquote. Should have been an and one. That game is totally different. Iowa State goes at the Sweet 16. Bracket opens up. Instead, they miss it. That rule has changed forever. And Aaron Kraft, forever an enemy. Okay. We both have uh, Clyburn at six. Let's get to the top five. Dun-dun-dun! Chris Allen, number five for me. Interesting. Yeah, so I... I I did not have him in my... Top 10. Wow. Or seriously? Really? I thought about, again. You left him out? I left him out. Wow. I think, you know what? I probably should have put him well, in that no, mix and honorable mention. That's but fine. That's, but I it, didn't have him in there. But this is so many years after the fact. I think this is great that we're not like yeah. on par here. I remember Chris Allen is a, uh, he, a little bit, um, I don't want to call him a disappointment. Nope. He didn't necessarily live up to expectations, but he was still a guy, Brent, when I watched him. I mean, he's the best player on the floor most of the time. He, uh, right, you know, yeah. beside who's let number me, one on the list. Let me get the numbers. It, it, is my memory wrong? Because again, no, to, our, to our listeners, the way we set this up, Bloom's going with the statistics. I'm going off of like gut the and feel. memory and the feel here. Am I wrong by having him in the top no, five? No, and I thought about it. Um, and again, maybe I'm going off of the expectations and maybe not met for Chris That's because fine. he came in major with, with major expectations from Michigan State, but still... All Big 12 honorable, honorable mention. Okay. Um, third on the team in scoring at 12 and a half points a game. Led that team in three-pointers made with 76. Shot it okay, uh, 40%. So, 
maybe should have been higher for me, but I just didn't think I penalized him too much. Or I I I overvalued him. Clyburn should have been ahead of him. I would probably agree with Clyburn over this. him. But yeah. Chris, again, a part of that first wave and without him, yeah. you know, he was a big get at the time. Now Royce was probably bigger, which we'll get to Royce. But Chris Allen was another one that put Iowa State on the map. Huh, okay, who's your fifth? So my fifth, uh, again, the first the first transfer of the transfer era under Fred, Chris Babb. Yeah, and I admittedly left, forgot him on the list, so he's it, he would be right there with me. Eight and a half points a game, not great. Three rebounds, only 35% from three. He did make 65 threes each year. He was a cyclone. But big thing with Chris, the defense. So they would lock him down on somebody. That's not a great defensive team. Fred's weren't. But you could put him on a guy and shut him down. Um, really valuable piece. And maybe more importantly for me, Chris, not the numbers, but he was the very first guy. So I don't know if you remember this. You had just gotten married. Uh, it oh, was I May, remember this. May of 2020. S- you, sit, you, sitting on the beach. You and... send me a text from <laughs> Florida. Say, hey, I'm going to need you to write something on this Chris Babb guy. Apparently, it's some transfer Iowa Penn State, State guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, He's a pretty good free throw shooter, yeah, I think. Yeah, right. And so uh, that's, he was the very first one. And it's interesting. The great part about Cyclone Fanatic is it archives time. You can go back to the thread when he first committed. And the theme throughout that whole thread is, well, why is this guy transferring? Is something wrong with him? Because <laughs> we didn't know. Like, nobody, transfers were so, yeah, they were so yeah. taboo at the time. And uh, that was May of 2020. The next month is when Royce committed. And that, that really started the wave. But Chris Babb was the very first recruit of the Fred era. I don't... Do you, were you, you were with me. Uh, it was shortly after Royce committed that night at Old Chicago when we were watching the... Lakers in the Celtics. Yeah. I, remember, yeah. I think I, yeah. Um, I, w- we were there with some prominent members of this <laughs> coaching staff. We'll just put it that way. And forgot um, about that. And yeah. I remember like when that all kind of went down and we had like a front row seat to like seeing it happen. It was kind of cool thinking back to that, that time. Bab, Bab, yeah. you know, really good overseas career. Had a little bit of time in the NBA as well, but a really valuable piece. Number four for me is Deontay Burton. Um, I had him at number three. I moved him to number four. Um, what a recency bias is going to get me at number three. But Deontay Burton, um, much like numbers one and two on my list, is like physically shouldn't be able to do the things that he does. I just wish that we could have gotten one more year of that Deontay Burton. Took him a really long time to mentally uh, get to where he needed to be to be the player that he became. Um, and it did click for him. I get. I don't think that he has an NBA career without Steve Prohm. I think that the coaching change was a good thing for him. Yes. Um, not not all these guys, but I think it was for Deontay. Um, we saw him do some things. We called those games down in Florida that was just like uh, it was just unreal. Him in that Purdue game in the second half. Uh, I do think it's the biggest mistake of the Steve Prohm era not to play small in that Purdue game. Yep. Um, or Denver, no, Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Yeah. I, I think too, if you, if like we had Steve, like he looking back, he should have played small that whole game. Deontay just abusing the big men. Second half. Purdue. Yep. Yeah. It, it, it was even in a loss, Brent, one of the great halves of basketball in the history of Iowa state. And 
I'm basing this, again, I'm going off of gut more than I am numbers and stuff. I think Deontay Burton's one of the best players when he was good, maybe right there with Royce White that I've ever covered. I think that's completely fair. I have it four as well. Oh, wow. Crazy. So, numbers for uh, Burton. All Big 12 second team as a senior. Big 12 newcomer of the year as a junior. Forgotten about. Yeah. He had really good, efficient numbers his junior year. He was a complete wild card. You did not know when that guy came in the game as a junior. Yeah. You know, what he was going to do is either going to be awesome or a complete train wreck. It was, you know, you just didn't know with Burton. But senior year really figured it out, became a very efficient player. 15 and 6 his senior year. He was fourth in the Big 12 in steals as well. Do you remember when he all but got benched? too yeah senior year when we got back from florida and he i just remember like one game at hilton he started like oh for nine and they basically benched him because he was just playing out of the system he had i'm gonna say the best stat line of a cyclone in the last decade against kansas in allen Fieldhouse. people remember that game because of the uh the jackson three in the corner yeah you know the marbles yeah three how about this line 29 points seven threes Eight rebounds, six steals in Allen Fieldhouse. He remains the only player in college basketball in the last 10 years to have that line. Wow. 29 points. Wow. Seven threes, Good eight pull. rebounds, and six steals. Only one. Great pull. Um, and that was, by the way, a big win for that team. He turned it on that senior year. Uh, 17 of his final 18 games as a cycle and in double figures. 21 in the second half against Purdue. One thing I remember about that day, you were with the women – Right. Yeah. You. Good you. Memory. In you West were, Virginia. You were in the air. I. I remember so many things in life based off of what Iowa State athletics does that day. You landed. You text me. You're like, holy crap. Um. I'm like, don't worry. I got it on DVR. Yep. And you, you can't. You basically landed and drove to my house, and we watched that game a couple times that night. He had the. That was so oh, much just fun. amazing second half. And there was the Fran Fischilla three. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, it was per- perfect for Deontay. Perfect. And what a talent. One of my uh, one of my favorite guys. I, yep. it, his With his mom dying, like he, he overcame a lot to become what he is now. I am so glad for his senior year because I think yeah. entering that year, people were like, we, this guy, we're yeah. not really sure about him. But, man, he, he was electric at times. And, by the way, he murdered somebody on West Virginia in, in the Sprint Center. <laughs> We're going to probably, oh God, yes. We're probably going to have the same final three, I would yeah. guess. Mariel Shyock, number three. Yep. Yeah, I mean, the numbers-wise, he he gets probably undervalued, Brent, for two reasons. One, that team, our lasting effect of that team was probably that it underachieved. Yep. And two, God, he played on such a young roster. Like, that. he, he had a really difficult role there, I think, with that team and you know, working through all the stuff that was going on there with THT and like it, it became the, you know, there was some di- real distractions there and Shayok was really um, the reason that team was able to do what it was able to do. Just his consistency throughout the season. That's the word for him. You know, probably not as electric as, um, you know, a Tyrus or a Burton or, or some of these guys, but so consistent 18.7 points per game. Second in the Big 12, consensus first team, all Big 12 that year. 49% field goal shooter, 38% from three. He had double figures in all but two games, and he had a couple big moments. That Kansas State game Mm -hmm. in uh, Sprint Center, 
Don't win that game. He hit back-to-back threes that were critical. Awesome, yeah. And it wasn't his fault, the Ohio State game, by the way. 23 points. Uh, above oh, he, was, he was really good. He was really great in that game. Uh, number, t- I had a hard time with one and two, and I think a lot of the listeners aren't going to understand why on the surface. I did have to do a little digging just with the statistics. I think Royce White is the clear number one, but not as clear as I thought. Fair. When I went through and really studied the one-year career of DeAndre Kane at Iowa State. These are a couple stats, I think, that are really integral when, when understanding it. That year, he had the fifth most points in a Big 12 season in Iowa State history. Kane did on the same season that he had 213 assists, the fifth most assists in a season in Iowa State history. So he's in the top five in points and assists in one year. I mean, if you think of, like, the history of Iowa State basketball, that is incredible. Oh, Literally did everything. Yeah. The, I, I, the Big 12 newcomer. Total f- freak show, too. Like, again, like his size, he was a bigger human being. Like, he could do it all. Any of that he, alpha, guys just responded to him. God, think about him, Niang, and Edgem. We can oh, get that back right now. Just And he was the ultimate slump buster. Mm-hmm. You know, slump busters have other meanings. <laughs> but uh, when Iowa State needed a basket, they wouldn't, they would go to, you know, Niang or Kane. Yeah. And they wouldn't, it wouldn't be a three necessarily. They would post those guys up. Do you remember the debates on that team? Who's the most, who's the MVP? Yeah. And it was, it, 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 you and couldn't really be wrong. Edgem won the yeah. Big 12 player of the year, but you, there was arguments and we made him that he was maybe the third most important piece, which is wild because you had Niang, Edgem, and Kane. It was, I mean, probably right there with, Ulo, Fred, and Lauren Meyer for like best trio. Those guys were awesome. I and mean, look at these numbers. Big 12 Newcomer of the Year, all Big 12 first team, Big 12 Tournament Most Viable Player, by the way, for that run through Kansas City. He averaged 17.1 points, 6.8 rebounds, and a Big 12 leading 5.9 assists. One of only two players in the nation that year to average 17, 6, and 5. He ranked in the top 10 in the Big 12 in seven statistical categories. Hmm. And he played big when it mattered. Mm -hmm. That North Carolina game gets remembered. Mm -hmm. No George Niang. Who stepped up? DeAndre Kane, 24-10 and 7 against the Tar Heels. Incredible. And, but incredible. maybe my favorite story of the transfer era is how he ended up at Iowa State. I've told this before on this. Yeah. But he had basically committed to Pittsburgh, which is where he grew up. Mm-hmm. He took a flyer on Iowa State and Matt Abdomassey and literally showed up to the airport in uh, Huntington, West Virginia, or wherever Marshall is did not have his ID with him. The TSA agent's like, man, I can't allow you on this plane. He was flying to Des Moines, then to, up to Ames. I can't allow you. I don't, you don't have your ID. And so they worked it out. He pulls up Google on his phone, shows them a picture of him on the Marshall roster. Yeah. TSA agent is lenient, allows him on the plane, makes it to Ames, commits to Iowa State. <laughs> so thanks to a very kind... TSA agent in West Virginia, DeAndre Kane ends up at Iowa State. Uh, that's incredible. That's uh, that's that's good stuff right there. Yeah, and DeAndre, one of the things I remember, um, do you remember they played at Oklahoma on a Saturday afternoon? They had Kansas the following Monday 
on Big Monday, and he basically like he was fairly he, he had a flair for the dramatics. Did DeAndre? He had to be like carried off the court oh, the ankle at the end of the. Yeah. And then we were all like, "Oh my God, is he going to play?" I remember the media scrum. We all got to Hilton at like one o'clock in the afternoon to see if he showed up for shoot around. Scott Reister pissed off Hoiberg because he snuck into practice. <laughs> like there was all sorts of stuff from that. From that era. He was so good. I wrote a column after that North Carolina game where I basically used all the Chuck Norris jokes, <laughs> but put DeAndre Kane as the... Uh, I, I remember covering that NCAA. That was one of the most memorable NCAA oh. tournaments ever. The, such a great field. You had McDermott and Creighton were there. Baylor and Scott Drew were there. Uh, Marcus Page yep. was an Iowa Roy kid. Williams. Roy Williams. Oh, it was... It was it, oh, Nebraska. Yep. 10 miles 10 in Nebraska. Miles. And all my media buddies from Omaha were there, so it was a lot of fun. Uh, my computer blew up. <laughs> uh, I was like... I was like taxiing around San Antonio, but I just remember like texting with my wife. I'm like, yeah, I'm coming home after Nian got hurt. Like, like there's no way I'm going to New York. And then all of a sudden they won that. And I'm like, book me a flight. Still the last five minutes of that North Carolina game were awesome. Naz was so good. I mean, mm. but Deandre, yeah, I, I thought about putting him at one. He was that good that year. I mean, the, the efficiency, he, cause he came in and still some question marks about, this guy turns it over too much. He's not a great shooter, but something clicked for him, and he was just, uh, you know, the the perfect complement for that team. I still think that team, above all else, was the best team of that ten year period. I would agree with that. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, number one is Royce White. Um, DeAndre is closer though. He, if yeah. I thought like, if we're doing like ratings of these guys, like the number is closer, but Royce, um, just dominant. Like th- there was nobody who could stop him in college basketball that year. No. And I think when he was ready, you know, like when he wanted to play, when, when he was locked in, he's the best player. Uh, I, is he the best player you've ever seen at Iowa state right there with Tinsley and, um, yeah. Yeah, right. talent. I think so. I think he's right there with Pfizer. I mean, Pfizer had a better career, obviously, because it was longer and he did yep. more. Yep. But you know, if if that team too doesn't get stuck against Anthony Kentucky. Davis in Kentucky in the second round, like we could be talking about a whole different deal. Well, and I think for Royce, number one, the numbers were great. Okay, so big All Big Twelve first team, national newcomer of the year by the Basketball Times. He led the team. In scoring, rebounding, assists, steals, and blocks. The only player in the country that year that did that. The Just the second player in Iowa State history to lead his team in scoring, rebounding, and assists. The other one was Fred Hoiberg. Uh, against Kentucky, that game you referenced against Anthony Davis, who's arguably the top three player in the world right now. He had 23-9-4-3. And, and just was outplayed him. Now, Kentucky was really good, and there's no way Iowa State was going to you know, be in that game because they Kentucky shot it well that day too, but Royce was a transformational talent. And when he got there, when he committed along with the rest of those guys, Iowa State had not made a postseason, not an NCAA tournament, not an NIT, not one of those minor league postseason tournaments since 2005. They had not won a Big 12 postseason, uh, a Big 12 tournament game. Mm-hmm. Like he literally transformed the program. God, remember how the we used to just dread the Big Twelve tournament? Yeah, you, nobody wanted to go because it's a a one night stand. Yeah, like nobody enjoyed that. Um, we were one and done. And they weren't fun one night no, stands they were either. Not. They, they were, were not. they were horrible. Uh, but he he gave credibility to Iowa State and what they were doing. And yes, along with the rest of those guys, but Royce was the one. 
that turned the corner for Iowa State basketball. Yeah, and I, I think, too, if you think back to the, the transfers and the, the recruiting, that first round of transfers, really, every Iowa State got everybody's attention when they got Bab and then Allen. You're like, okay, or Booker may have been the second Booker one. Booker was whatever. the second one, yeah. Um, Allen, oh, you're okay, oh, we're paying attention here. When they got Royce, it was national. It was holy crap, look at what this former NBA player is doing who's never coached before. Like, even if he's a sucky coach, this team has enough talent to be good next year. Royce changed the conversation. Yep, well said. Because Iowa State beat, interestingly looking back, the two teams they recruited Royce in the transfer market against John Calipari at Kentucky and our buddy Scott Drew at Baylor. So that was a huge, huge get. And Royce, I mean, everything that has happened since his Iowa State career it is what it is, but that single season at Iowa State, just transformational. really was. Oh, man, we were closer on that top 10. I feel really um, bad that I left out Chris Babb, but again, I tried to not no, let I, numbers, so I, I was yeah. going off of memory, and I just... He is an easier guy to forget about, though. He is. Like, when you talk about the earlier guy. Really defensive guy, uh, but really a great career. What a list. Uh, what, what a lot of fun that was to talk about something other than other than COVID-19. Um, I, I, I did one other crazy little note here. So I, I one of the stats that I looked up was just top 20 scoring seasons in Iowa State history. Great. Yep. Only two of the transfers landed top 20 yeah. scoring seasons, which surprised me. I would have thought it would have been more. It was Shayok in 2019 and Kane in 2014. The interesting thing Shayok, about... Shayok actually had the best points per game average in the history of all these transfers. Crazy. Shayok did. And he did it efficiently. Yeah. Like, that's a guy you don't... You, he wasn't chucking a million shots. You, you don't think about him as, you know, one of the great ones, but he, his single season was, was really incredible. But I think that's the neat thing about this era is... They paired him so well with those four-year guys. And like I said in the start of this podcast, there will there's no more transfer stigma. And going forward, there's going to be so much more transfers. The interesting part for this whole era was this came right on the heels of Jamie Pollard's letter after Iowa State had lost a bunch of transfers the previous two and a half years under McDermott. And so transfers were this really negative thing in Iowa State land mm-hmm. uh, because you had you had Wes Johnson transfer you had Lucas Steiger like pick up and leave you had uh, Chris Colvin leave you had Dominic Buckley Justin Hamilton say he's gonna go closer to home and then went to Louisiana I mean all this stuff had happened prior to this Chris transfer Colvin, era and so a transfer was a bad word and this 10 years shifted the paradigm not only at Iowa State but nationally and going forward in the 2020s, if we ever have college basketball again, it's not going to be a transfer. It's literally, it's just part of your roster. And I, I, it, this this era changed everything. I can't wait till Mac retires to get the in-depth story. Like he'll he'll give it to me someday. Like he'll bring your podcast equipment over. We'll talk about. It. I don't think he wants to do it now. Yeah. Which I don't blame Man, him. It's some strange times that, at the end of that era. It the that game in Chicago yep. against Duke. Uh, when Chris Colvin like lost his mind in the locker room afterwards, Steiger just leaving <laughs> in the middle of the season. Craig Bracken's just like sitting there, like, "What do I do?" Which, like Deontay. One of, the, one of the podcasts we may do in this series is the the rise and fall, or I guess you'd say the turmoil of the Greg McDermott era, which produced a lot of NBA talent. 
It did. Which is wild, but Crazy. it was it was just a interesting time. But I, I think that you know the tra- it gets you had the podcast transfer you. Yeah. But it th- these guys transformed Iowa State basketball and potentially college basketball, right? As we know it. All right, Bloom. That was fun. Uh, thank you to our friends at Sukup and Sukup Manufacturing for sponsoring the Sukup Summer Series. We still have three episodes left. We are a little later in the summer when we're doing these, but that has been by design with all the COVID-19 stuff. We've been trying to keep up on that. But then I do think, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I think we'll have a little bit of a delayed football season, and then this can this can stretch our legs just a little bit. We'll see. Um, but we'll keep you guys updated. Sunday night, Bloom and I will get back together to record uh, the quarantine podcast and uh, we appreciate all of you guys listening please rate subscribe review do all that stuff you know what we're talking about it helps us get our numbers up all that good stuff uh, have a great rest of your work week everybody